O Lord, our Father, and yet creator of this vast universe, we are humble to come into your presence, awed, unworthy, and it is only because of what your Son has done that we are able to, to stand and to enter to this privileged place. Father, we, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to, to worship you unhindered, to come together and to lift your name up in song, in word, and even the love that flows from you through each other. Father, we pray that you would be present in each one of our interactions, that you could flow through us and indeed be a blessing, an encouragement, a light, a salt that would indeed draw all men to you as they see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Father, our hearts are breaking for the, the war that we see and the pain and the suffering and and fear and agony on, on so, so many fronts. Lord, we pray for your grace, Lord, your presence, your encouragement, and Lord, that you could find, bring a conclusion to this, this uh, disaster, and Lord, we pray for peace. Lord, we know that you are in control and you have so much higher view of things than we do and you're not fooled by all that is going on and we see indeed that there is a war that transcends this one and that the evil one is certainly preparing his agenda and father we pray for eyes to see that we would not be fooled and taken in that we'd be first of all aware of our own hearts and our need to be ready and to be right in that we would not be deceived as he seeks about as a lion to, to intimidate, to deceive and to destroy. Father, we pray for the church that it would not be as those five-year virgins found sleeping when you come Lord, if, if there hasn't been enough of a warning cry, Lord, that we would prepare our lamps, that we would be ready, and that you would not tell us, I do not know you. Lord, our hearts go out to those who do not know you, those who are yet prisoners of war, those who are yet bound by fear and lies, those who may be scoffing as we heard last week and saying all things continue even though they clearly are not. Father, open their eyes. Help them to see the through the deception, to see the urgency of their, the response that they need to respond while there is time because the time is short. Father, we pray even now that you could speak to us through your humble servant. Lord, you know how unworthy and unfit he is. Lord, in spite of that, 
feed your flock. We beg you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know our dear brother Eric has been going through the book of Ephesians and we are now in the book of, in chapter six and the Lord has led me independently to, to there as well and this is such a rich chapter. I look forward to, to um, learning more of that next week and I just hope I have a few words of introduction this week. But this is what the Lord has laid on my heart to, to meditate this morning as we, we understand the spiritual warfare that we are in. So let's begin reading together from the sixth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at chapter, uh, verse 10. Chapter six, beginning at verse 10. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six, beginning to read at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I've read to the 20th verse. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning to be able to come into thy presence, to kneel before thee, to acknowledge that thou alone 
art the uncreated one, the Lord of the entire universe, the one who spoke and world sprang into being and who will speak again one day and the skies will be rolled up like a scroll. But in between, dear Lord, in between those two great events, we are called to walk by faith, and that's where we have our problems, Heavenly Father. We forget these things, and so we want to confess our own lack of faith and lack of understanding, lack of vision, that we are not seeing things properly, Heavenly Father. So help us this morning. Help us to realize that we indeed don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but the reality is a spiritual one. The difficulties we have at their root, they are spiritual problems. Heavenly Father, be with our brother this morning as he would share from thy word. Help us all to be equipped with that spiritual armor that we need to guard against the wiles of the evil one. For we know that he knows that his days are short and therefore he goes about as a roaring lion. Heavenly Father, be with those that could not be with us this morning, those that are prevented for various reasons, those who are old, those who are infirm, those who are recovering, those who perhaps have other struggles that we're not even aware of. Be with them, Heavenly Father, and let their eyes also be opened to the spiritual reality that they would gain encouragement when they realize that indeed there is a Lord of hosts whose flaming chariots surround those who put their trust in him. Be with those that are spreading thy word throughout this world, perhaps in the face of great persecution. Let thy word continue to go forth to have its effect, changing hearts and minds. Be with our brother and heavenly father in Ukraine as well. Those that are suffering the ravages of war, those who are experiencing what our forefathers and the believers of the past experienced fear and deprivation and violence. But Heavenly Father, especially for them, we want to pray that they would be as harmless as doves, but as wise as serpents, that the world may see that there is a better way than answering force with force or violence with violence. But there is one who came to lay down his life and who was indeed the Prince of Peace. Be with us, Heavenly Father, now as we look into thy word together, be with our brother and anoint him with a special anointing of the Spirit that the words that he would speak this morning would be what we all need to hear and that thy name ultimately would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Dear brothers and sisters and friends, <clears throat> I look forward to learning with you what the Spirit would speak to us from these words, these living words. I confess that I have much to learn in this area and uh, that's becoming more and more evident to me.
couple weeks ago when again we were together with the brothers in Kitchener praying for Sasha, I felt inspired to, to be biblical and to pray for our leaders. The Bible says that we should pray for all men, uh, pray for kings, pray for those in authority. It was a bit awkward. It was hard to do. And afterwards, you know, even some of the brothers were saying, well, I don't know if I can pray for, my, for that leader because, uh, you know, I, he's doing so many wrong things. But that's not what the Bible teaches. As we've read together, there is a battle. It's not one that's won on the streets. It's not one with bombs and in missiles because we have to realize that, that the, the ones pulling the strings are higher, high above that and are not, are not touched by that. that there is a war that is real and we are called not to be passive observers of that war but to be active participants. That our calling to be non-resistant, our calling to love our enemies, our calling to, to not uh, take lives does not make us passive does not make us uh, to cower or to be indifferent or to be mere spectators. In that our passivity has a cost if we choose. So we read here in God's words that to fight in a war, in the war, you need to be strong. That seems like an obvious thing where strength is tested in war. True metal, true courage, true um, ability and often strength is not merely strength of body but strength of spirit, strength of mind, commitment which can have an outsized effect where raw power, uh, uh, physical power does not. But as it says to be strong it's immediately qualified in the Lord and in the power of his might. As I, as you engage in this battle, even in this current world conflict, all our information is being filtered. There are so many lies, it's difficult to decipher the truth through the fog of war. In fact, it's often said that truth is the first casualty of war, and I've seen it enough to, to, 
to, to say that that's been what I've observed as well. So first of all, we don't, but that, that's even in a, in a physical war with, the, with, with actors that we can see, but the next verses tell us that there is another whole level that, that the flesh and blood are not really our enemies and not to be the target of our attacks, but that, that behind flesh and blood, if it's not flesh and blood, it's biological exclusion spiritual, there are spiritual principalities and powers and rulers and darkness and wickedness, spiritual wickedness in high places and places of dominion, that, that somehow there's a whole hierarchy that we don't see. So if we think we're, we have limited visibility into carnal conflicts, what visibility do I have into spiritual conflicts? And if I go charging in on my own strength, what hope do I have? So one error might be to say, this is irrelevant to me. Another error might be to be, feel that um, confident in my own perception and abilities. If we look at Jesus, when he came into this world and walked this world, there were three different cosmologies that he had to deal with, three different understandings of the heavenly and earthly realm. The one that perhaps maps to the culture of today would be the Sadducees. Uh, they basically said that, you know, it's human power that actually we can see and that makes a difference in my life. So I'm just going to play the political game and grab for power where I can. And the spiritual realities, they don't really you know, we can't see beyond death, and so we don't really believe things we don't see. So they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection, and Jesus himself had a conflict on that. They believed in, in swords and positions and powers and, 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 and things they could see, and they, they maneuvered themselves into those positions of power and thought that they were protected by the political machinations, very Machiavellian. And Jesus clearly disagreed with them. I mean, after all, there was the Son of God standing before them who was going to resurrect himself as an essential part of his plan for saving the world. And they, they were simply blind to this reality. There may have been on the other extreme, we don't read about them as much, the Essenes in the desert who have taken a far more spiritual approach, you know, where you know, it's much more experiential. We definitely read about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were believed in spiritual realities. They believed in resurrection and angel and God and, and, and life after death and reward and punishment. And, and so they, and they believed the words of God. They didn't just kind of like redefine it all away as something I can 
conveniently ignore as long as I'm safe and powerful right now. They took power in a different way. They, they had come up with 613 rules that if they followed those rules, that's how they were going to win the spiritual war. And so they could take power in their holiness. And Jesus had lots of conflict with them too. You would think that these are the, the good guys. I mean, they're biblical. They believe the truth about things. And they're trying to follow what God said about those things. And yet Jesus has a problem with them. Now, there were clearly spiritual demonian and forces at work. There were demons that Jesus himself cast out, directly confronted, demons that the Pharisees and everyone were powerless against. So there's a spiritual power that doesn't come from knowing this book and following the rules the best you can. But it is not a spiritual power that comes from wild theories and imaginations and inventing stuff that's not in this book. Because we can see that that is a problematic as well. Why was it that Jesus had power to confront real spiritual demons that, 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 that you know, no one else could that were so destructive it was because Jesus had a relationship with his heavenly father one that he guarded jealously spent time deeply in prayer and when the disciples not just the Pharisees the disciples the ones who are following Jesus try to cast out the demon of this little boy that was causing him to fall in the fire and in the water and froth at the mouth and and and, and they couldn't do it and Jesus was able to do it at a word they said why? why why couldn't we have the power to cast out this demon and Jesus told them this kind doesn't go out except for prayer and fasting not that, now, you know, the Pharisees fasted. We just read about that the other week. You know, they prided themselves in, in their long prayers and in fasting twice a week. And, and yet they didn't have power because it was not being strong in the Lord. And in the power of God's might. It was being strong in themselves and their relative righteousness that they could compare themselves to others and say, well, I'm better than he is. And that, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't going to cut it. Put on the whole armor of God, they may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, so now here's the enemy. It's the devil. And here's his main 
weapon, wiles, deception, confusion, being able to, to tempt and distract and take, uh, take you by your desires and manipulate you. <clears throat> and we need to be able to stand against that. Sometimes we think that we can handle certain things in our life. Certain things that we think, you know, that's not, I can handle a little bit of that or a little bit of that in my entertainment or a little bit of that in my relationships or in my uh, lifestyle. We need to realize that we're, we can't, we're not the ones who are strong. And any form of compromise is a whole. And allows us to be manipulated. That's why the first part of our armor is the opposite of wiles. The first part of the armor is truth. Now, I might not know the truth about all the hierarchy of angels and demons and spiritual wickedness in high places. I may not know their names. I may not know their geographical designations and, and rank, but I do know how rank my own soul is. I do know my own sin. And until I'm honest about that, I will have no power against the evil one. We read a story in Acts where people saw the power that uh, the name of Jesus had even against even against the spiritual world. This was a place in Ephesus, the same city that this letter is being written to, interestingly enough. And uh, apparently there was a large amount of occult going on there, amount of satanic worship. There was the temple to Diana, and clearly with all of that um, idolatry, there is the dark side where Satan takes advantage of that, and there was a lot of occultic materials and books and and even demonic possession that goes along with that and there was a revival and uh, they even burned and put a, had a bonfire for all these occultic materials and, and and there was this reputation that went out about the power of light to dispel darkness the power of Jesus to be able to dispel even those who were under the power of these dark destructive forces. And so seven sons of a, of a priest, they were Jewish, uh, called Siva, they thought, we're gonna, we're gonna use this. And they went in to confront this man who is demon-possessed, and we say, we, we adjure you, we command you in the name of, of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And they left there very humiliated and beaten and um, fled the scene. They were overpowered. When 
Bible says when you go to war, you need to, to consider whether with your army you're able to stand up to the opposing army. And, and you know, that's why there's lots of calculations going on right now. You know, what if Russia does this? You know, do I dare impose this or do that because they might do this? And there's all that kind of calculation going, am I strong enough to withstand this? You know, can, can we repel those, those missiles or can we, you know, handle these economics? And there's all kinds of calculations that are going on. Well, when we go up against the evil one, don't think he's not going to attack and intimidate and deceive and undermine you. And that's why this armor is critical. It's not just optional. This isn't just, you know, in, 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 as is taught some places, you know, you've got your base level of Christianity and if you get baptized, you're in the door, you got your ticket, you know, and then if you wanna to go to advanced stuff, well, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's cool for, for some that, you know, maybe you want to go into spiritual warfare or, you know, holiness or, you know, um, you, know you, get, you get bonus points for that. This is not, that's not how it, the Bible describes this. This war is real whether you want to be in it or not. And so, as we read just last time about Jesus, this just before he's taken away to be crucified, his last words to his disciples were, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Be, be vigilant. And then Peter, who was there, one of those inner three, he repeats those words in his own letter as he spreads the same truth. He says, be vigilant because Satan, like a roaring lion, is seeking to devour, to deceive You've got to be on your toes. You've got to be on guard. This is, there, there's not this, this kind of place where you can coast and be under the radar of spiritual warfare. Everyone's got to take a stand. And when you take a stand, you better be ready because you're going to get that counterattack. And that's why you need to stand in the strength of God and his character and his righteousness. And you've got to be honest and real about your own lack of righteousness and be committed to truth and not try to use the right words and the formulas to be able to, to fight Satan because it's not about impressing people. He sees right through. He zeroes right in on those holes in your armor and in your character, because that's, that's what he does. He's the master of that. That you may able, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. I'm sure my brother's gonna elucidate a lot of this, so I want to skip to the 18th verse. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching. There's that word again. This is an old English word that implies now someone who's like watching television.
television as passive observer, but in the context here, this is you're on watch, you're on guard, an enemy is coming to attack the camp, and it's your responsibility to, to be able to detect the slightest hint. And, and many lives are at stake whether you are on guard or not. And if you're sleeping, the whole fate of kingdoms can be lost. You need to be watching in prayer. So, so what does prayer have to do with vigilance? And why does Jesus keep saying that? So as we pray, we're not just telling God things. Certainly that's in here that we need to, to supplication is, is to ask and intercede and ask for God's help for all saints, for those believers, as, as we just did for our believers in Ukraine and for those who are dealing with even challenges here, health challenges and isolation and so on, we need to, to intercede and ask for them for God's help. And we need to persevere in that, that It's not about long repetitions prayer, Jesus said that, but, but if I don't care, I will mention it once and I'll move on. But the depth of my commitment to this cause and how much I, I lay hold, you know, as, as you saw Jacob wrestling with that angel all night long, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And thereby he received the blessing of being God's chosen people uh, and being a prince with God, Israel. As we see Jesus in Luke 18 saying, you know, there's this, this powerless widow. She's got no money. She's got no influence. She's got no control. Nothing that would entice this corrupt judge to actually uh, deal with her case but the one thing she's got is she's got persistence. And because she perseveres and she doesn't give up and because she, she will continue to come before the God, that unjust, corrupt, heartless uh, judge will still take on her case. But do you think God, who, 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 who hears your prayers, who's moved by every one of your tears, you think he's not going to respond. But even though he takes time he, your persistence matters to you. And, and I can't say I understand that completely, but that's what the Bible says. And Jesus, again, when he's teaching about, about the, the, the Lord's prayers, he's teaching them how to pray. He says, you know, your father wants to give you good gifts. He's, you don't have to be afraid. It's not the monkey's paw where you ask for something and God gives it and makes you sorry you ask. No, he's not there to, he, he, he's not going to give you a bad thing. He's going to give you good things. And that's why sometimes he doesn't give you the thing you ask for. Because you think you're asking for a stone, but you're really asking for a serpent. And you don't realize that. But he is going to give you bread. He's going to give you the things you really need. But in that same passage in Luke 11, he talks about how he, 
the, the man that's already in bed with his kids, and in, back in those days that meant they were in the same bed with his kids, and, and his friend comes and says, I need a couple loaves of bread. Uh, it's an emergency. I've got travelers, which in Eastern culture is a crisis. Hospitality was paramount, and your honor was at stake, and this friend in bed says, look, you know, it's too late. Come back in the morning. I'm not going to wake up my family just to do this. But because of his perseverance, because he wouldn't let go, he kept knocking on that door, he will rise and give him. Not just because of the relationship, the friendship, but because of the perseverance. How much more your God who has a relationship, who loves you as a father, is gonna per going to give you, but he wants you to persevere. Perseverance matters. The power of your prayers do depend on the depth of your commitment. And God knows if it's shallow, if it's trite, if it's one-off, or if it's something that you really, really, really care about. <clears throat> but coming back to watching. Supplication, is, is, it's, it's me talking to God. What's watching? That's, that's kind of, it's me receiving information. I've got to have my antenna up. I've got to have my eyes peeled. I've got to be receiving information in order to be vigilant. There's a part of spiritual warfare that is about you listening to God. You have to be listening to God, not just one way, and hearing as he warns you. As you're in prayer and he says, don't go there. Beware of that situation. Don't get involved in that. That's going to be a trap. And you don't go in your own saying, oh yeah, but I can handle it. That's not being vigilant. First of all, you've got to be listening and hearing God and being in tune with the fact that there are spiritual realities because so many people so many people get manipulated by the social media of this work and they get themselves all worked up and, and identified with, with a human cause and angry at flesh and blood and, and they don't realize they're being pawns. Deceived. And the Spirit will tell you, no, that's not the Spirit you are of as he warned James and John the sons of thunder. It's not about calling down fire from heaven, which is a little bit more literal these days. That's not the spirit you are of. You're not out to wish destruction, pain and misery on people. You're wishing, you see them as prisoners of war that need to be rescued. You see them as pawns being manipulated. And even if they are leaders, and even if they're complicit and corrupt, they are still deceived and need rescuing and we need to pray for them. That's why we need to pray always and we need to pray and we need to supplicate in the spirit. The spirit knows and, and as I struggle, as I honestly admit before you, this is, this is hard for me, this is new for me, I, I need to grow in this area is because I need to rely on the Spirit. These aren't patterns I can just follow. These aren't words I can repeat. I need to be hearing the Spirit. How do you pray for your enemy?
How do you pray for the one you see causing so much pain? You need to see beyond and you need to be in tune and not be deceived. And that requires being in the spirit, not in your power, not in the, not drunk with your own um, ability, recognizing the truth that we need God and in his spirit, not of my human anger, but of God's broken heart, I can see with compassion the pain of this world. It is, it is an agony. As Jesus wept, as he looked with compassion on those who were scattered as sheep without a shepherd, it was compassion. He could have looked at them, look at these filthy sinners. Here I stand coming all the way from heaven and they just spit on me and laugh at me and plot to murder me. He could have reacted in righteous anger, but instead he saw sheep without a shepherd. And we need to pray in the same spirit, the Holy Spirit developing in us a compassion for the other and the, a sense of the spiritual captivity that they need to be released from. And even those who are on those front lines, front, spiritual front lines, where they may be even imprisoned because they are having the boldness to speak the word of God, pray for them that they may speak more boldly. Pray for the truth because it's not about staying safe. War isn't about staying safe. It's about being bold and going out there and rescuing and pushing back the enemy at your own cost. We know in our case we are not going to lose. The end is written. But whether, whether in my battle, in my corner, the light is diminished or brightened, whether the souls around me are saved or deceived, a lot of that rests on my own shoulders. And whether I am vigilant and watching in prayer and depending on the Spirit and in His power and making sure my armor is complete, that I am committed to truth about myself, transparent and repentant and relying on His gospel and believing truth with the helmet and applying the sword not of my power but of the Word of God and His Spirit. May the Lord bless his word. We've heard a fair bit this morning about spiritual warfare. As I said last Sunday, Satan's favorite method is to confuse or flip things around in a way, pervert things so that we harm ourselves. He can create nothing new. He takes something good, God created, wonderful, perverts it and twists it and makes a sin out of it. And 
One of the things I think he's done very, very effectively, especially in today's day and age with social media and online engagement, he's taken these verses that we've read together about the armor of God and the way that we're supposed to resist, and he's flipped them around and made Christians think that we're battling with people with these things. That's not it at all. These weapons are exclusively for combat with Satan himself. Think about that for a moment. These weapons, this armor, is for engagement with Satan, not with other people. In fact, we're told to resist him and he will flee from us. So where do you resist Satan? The same place you meet God, in prayer. Are we taking the fight to him? Or are we taking the fight to people online we've never met? Or to politicians we probably will never meet? Our engagement with the world is actually very, very different than what we've meditated on this morning. You may have missed it. Listen to what Paul says. Brother Edmund read it at the end of the passage we read together. <clears throat> that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. That's the way we're called to engage this world, as ambassadors for the gospel of Christ, not as warriors, ambassadors. One who represents a power that's maybe not present yet. Remember, the ambassador serves in enemy territory. He or she represents the flag, the nation, the ideals, the vision, of the country to which he or she belongs. He provides or she provides solace to citizens of the same country who come to the, the embassy for that. We are to speak words fitly spoken to this world to properly represent our great king. So one day when he recalls us from the embassy and returns not as a mild and meek teacher, but indeed as a king. The world will have no excuse. They will have seen it all. So let's remember, we are called to be ambassadors to this world, but warriors against Satan. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what we heard. This concludes our service. Amen.